0: You are listening to the Faith Church Podcast. Learn more about our church at faithinchandler.com. You know, the end of that song says, you're the one who doesn't leave the one behind. And it references a story that Jesus told about a shepherd who goes searching for one lost lamb. He's got a hundred sheep in his fold. Ninety-nine are safe in the corral, but one is missing And he goes, Looking for that one. That is the God that we worship today. That's the God we serve. And here at Faith Church, it's our it's our dream that every child in Chandler would grow up knowing that God loves them and has a marvelous plan for their life. Every one of them. And we are involved in ministries at Chandler Elementary School and we uh, have growing, vibrant children's ministries here at our church and we seek to do everything we can to make contact with new kids in the summer through Vacation Bible School because we don't want any one of those children to be lost, to be left behind. But we know that the raising of a child is not something that we can accomplish as a church in release Bible studies at the school or through a week of vacation Bible school or even a week of church camp. But it's something that has to happen on this ongoing, regular, disciple-making basis. And God has designed parents for this express purpose, for this reason, to disciple their children, their grandchildren, to have an influence on generations. And today, many of you are going to gather with family, and there are going to be multiple generations present. And I'd I'd recommend to you that when you get together, get one of those generations photos. Those those are powerful to look back on in, in years to come of generations together. But when you gather for that photo, I hope that you'll also see not just a gathering of people from different eras in time, but you'll see the potential and power of influence over generations. How that one generation can have this incredible, maximized impact upon the next. And that can grow exponentially. And it happens in the context of parenting. And that's what we're going to talk about. for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how you always meant to parent. And I want to be clear on what I don't mean by that. Because I think every young parent can probably identify with this scenario. You're at a store... And you see someone else parenting or not parenting. And you say, when I have kids, that is never going to happen, right? When I have kids, it'll be different, right? And then you have kids. And then you realize all of the things you didn't know that you didn't know. And you find yourself in similar situations to those ones that you said, that'll never happen, My kids will never do that. Now, when I say how you always meant to parent, I don't mean how you always meant to parent before you had kids, before you didn't realize how much you didn't know. No, instead, when I say how you always meant to parent, I'm, I'm talking about that feeling that you have the first time that you hold your child. And there is this love that you experience That you didn't know you were capable of experiencing there's this capacity in your heart that you didn't know existed and in that that love you think i will do whatever it takes for this child i'll make sure that they never lack for anything and you make commitments and promises and vows there before you leave the hospital room that will be very difficult for you to live up to. Because then you go home and you find out that this kid that you just had never sleeps. And is always eating or pooping or sometimes doing both. And and real life sets in. And you're busy and you're exhausted. And then another kid comes along that second time around, maybe you don't even make some of those same vows, right? Those of you that have had a second child, you know that like all the degrees and effort you went to to make sure that that first child never got hurt, the second child just like, they can handle it, they'll figure it out. <laughs> and we get caught up in the busyness of life and realness of life hits and all of those things that we had made plans about and all of those good intentions that we had and how, how solid of plans we had on how much we were going to spend time reading with them and how defined time limits we were going to have on how much screen time they have and they weren't going to watch television and it all just kind of slips away and meanwhile time is moving faster and faster and faster and you look at old photos or Facebook gives you a memory of something that happened 4 years ago and You're like, wow, they were so little, and they're so big now, and I was so little, and I am so big now. (laughs) I want to talk to you about getting to that place where you always intended to be as a parent. I want to talk to you about how you always meant to parent. For some of you, you're in the room, and you say, well, I'm not a parent because my children have have grown up, and so I'm a parent, but they're not in my house, and I'm not still having that influence. Let me just tell you right now at the beginning, as a grandparent, you cannot cannot overemphasize the role that you have, the influence that you have as a grandparent. That generational influence is huge. Some of you here, and you're not a parent, maybe you're going to be a parent one day, and these truths will be helpful to you. Some of you here, you're you're not a parent. You will not be a parent. You don't have any plans of being a parent. Maybe you're here and you want to be a parent, but you're not one yet. God has called us as a church to raise up a generation. We are building the church that our children will one day lead. And this is something that we are all going to have to lock arms with, lock arms on. And so this is something that's beneficial for every one of us. So, I want to talk to you about how you always meant to parent, to, to get to that place that you always intended to be as a parent. And I'm really excited to talk to you about parenting over the next few weeks for a few reasons. Let me just kind of put those out there really quick. First of all, the breakdown of parenting has had major impacts on our society. Right now, we are prone to look at social institutions and say, it's the problem with our government, it's the problem with our schools, it's the problem with people in general. And I, and I wholeheartedly believe that we can, we can tie so much of that back to the breakdown of families and the breakdown of parenting. I listened to a, a podcast, it's been several years ago, that. Freakonomics podcast, they were covering, they did this study on this, this group that they went into this housing project in Toronto, and the dropout rates from, in high school there were just through the roof, it was incredible, and over four years of instituting this program, they were able to cut down the dropout rate by 50%, they cut it in half, so man, I was like, wow, this is, this is interesting, what is it that they did? And they broke down all of these steps that they took with these kids. And about 20 minutes into this 40-minute report, study on this group, you know what I realized? This group, Pathways to Education in Toronto, they had basically stepped in and acted as parents for these kids. That's what they had done. They had brought in interventions when there were behavioral problems. They had given rewards when students did well. They'd promised them assistance after they graduated from high school if they desired to go to trade school or into secondary education. They were performing the role of parents. And the way that they saw this incredible turnaround is they basically hired people to step in and be the parents in this neighborhood now that's incredibly expensive the program was very expensive in the wrong way it actually saved the government money because it prevented so many problems down the road but so much of what is broken in our culture right now could be fixed <laughs> by a return to godly and biblical parenting yeah. Two, one of the most important factors in determining a person's success is his or her parents. We, we, we invest a lot of time, effort, and energy into the children here at this church. We recognize that every one of them is a gift from God, but no matter how stellar our programs and volunteers are for kids, we cannot hold a candle to the influence that moms and dads have. The greatest contributing factor to a person's success, is their parents. We know this. Because oftentimes when when people make some some awful choices, we think, maybe we don't even say, but we ask, well, what was their home life like? We recognize that there are all these contributing factors that are at play in our society and our culture and a lot of studies have been done to show that that the, the zip code or the school system or the socioeconomic status the 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 living wage in their general area has a major impact on their success and and people freak out over this stuff and they they try to do their very best to get their kids into the best schools into the best systems I mean, it's no accident that when you look at a piece of paper that is the listing for a house that is for sale, it tells you how big it is, the square footage, and what, what school district it is in. Because we're concerned about which schools we get our kids into, which systems they're in. But a greater contributing factor than any of that is the parents that they live with. but you know what's great about that is that if parents are the greatest contributing factor to a person's success, we as parents are positioned to make the greatest influence upon our kids. There's a lot of things in your kid's life that you don't have any control over, but you have 100% control over who you are. No one else does. No one else has control over the way that you are, the way that you act, the decisions that you make. That's in your control. And that's the reason that whenever we try to solve these problems in society, we, we look to, to fix schools or to fix government or to fix these social sectors because we can't force parents to do something. Because who has 100% control of how parents act? Parents act. Parents do. So we are positioned to make the greatest influence on our kids' lives. I can't control the culture. I can't control the other kids on the playground. I can't control the other kids on my daughter's soccer team. Then sometimes that I wish that I could, but I can't. But you know what I have 100% control over? Me. Me. And there's a lot in your kid's life that you have no control over but the greatest contributing factor to their success is directly in your control. In fact, you're the only person that has that control. So a parenting series and learning what God's Word tells us about parenting can make a huge impact. And I also believe that deep in each of us, there is this desire to parent well, and to influence others, to leave a legacy, to make an impact. And I believe that's not just motivated by our love for our kids, but something that was placed there by God. That you were meant for this. That you were designed for this. That, that God set you up for this. That your design, the way that you're made up, your shape, your characteristics, God designed you for this calling as a parent. I believe that how you always meant to parent points to the way that you were designed to parent. The the, the fact that we have this great desire to parent well, I believe points to the fact that God designed us to have this kind of impact. I want to read you one verse of Scripture from Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, real quick, let me just make it clear that Proverbs are words of wisdom. They're not promises. It's a good general rule of thumb. Now, there are always, always examples of the exception to the rule, right? And sometimes we like being that person, like, well, what about so and so? This is a proverb. It's a general rule of thumb. That the very best way for us to parent is to train up a child in the way that he should go. And the exception to the rule doesn't give us an excuse to answer that call. Because here's the bottom line every one of our kids has free will, and they're going to make their own choices. You know that, if you're a parent, I mean, within the first day, they were already making choices that you didn't want them to make yet. But we can best set our children up for success when we follow the wisdom that is in this proverb. It's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee that if you do everything right, that your kids are going to do everything you ever hoped that they would do. It's not a guarantee that if you, you do everything right, that your children are going to turn out to be wonderful. But it is a word of advice and a word of wisdom that the very best thing that we can do for our children is to train them up in the way that they should go. I think what this proverb is telling us is you were designed to parent from a place of a personal relationship with God. Every major passage of Scripture on parenting supposes this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, which we refer to as kind of the guiding principle of our, our kids' ministry. We do Sunday school classes that follow the Deuteronomy 6 model, that whatever topic we're on in our adult classes, children will also be on. So parents and children can talk of it together, putting them on the same page. It talks about teaching your children about the truths and the promises of God's word. But right before that is the Shema which says you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. In other words, before we can get to passing this on to our kids, it must be something that we possess. It must be something that we have. If we're going to teach our children of it, we must know of it. Ephesians 6, which is this seminal passage on parenting, and Ephesians 5, which has this great wisdom on marriage, before all of them is the foundation of who we are in Christ. The supposition there is that to raise our children to honor the Lord, we must be people who honor the Lord. We cannot pass on what we do not have. We cannot leave for our children what we do not possess. And here in Proverbs, we're given a piece of advice. Raise up a child in the way he should go. And the word for in the way means on the path. It's used to refer to a stop along the way. Like a rest stop is on the way to your family vacation. It's on the way. It's there on the path. It was used to refer to fountains or wells that would be alongside a well-traveled road or pathway. As people made their way from one city to the other and they took this path, there'd be these wells on the way so that they could be refreshed. You know what Scripture is telling us here? Scripture is telling us to raise up our children in the way, in the path, on the walk, with God, with Christ. You see, I think sometimes we imagine that we're supposed to tell our kids the way, right? Hey, that's the way you need to go. We need to show our kids the way, but that's not what Proverbs calls us to do. Proverbs calls us to raise up our children in, in the way, on the path, that they are learning to walk as they're walking the path, that they are coming into adolescence as they're walking the path. And so the path of following God is not something we teach our children about so that when they turn 18, they'll go get on it. They'll go follow it. I, I, I'm amazed that many times we're surprised that a child that we have, has not seen us walk in the path, they turn 18 and go, I, I don't know why they don't ever go to church. Because they never went to church when they were in your house. Because they only went to church when there wasn't something else going on. Because all that was demonstrated for them was that church was something that you did on special occasions. It was never a priority. It was not in the path of life. It wasn't in the daily commute. It wasn't a priority in your home. So it will not be a priority in their life. He says, raise up a child in the way that he should go. The design is that children will grow up on this path. They'll get started. That their first memories will be in the context of this path of following the Lord. You can't just point it out to them. You can't just talk about it. You've got to walk on it with them by the way, this is true for anyone that we're trying to disciple. It's not just true for our children. It's true for anyone that we're trying to, to lead into a life with the Lord. We cannot lead them on a journey that we're not on. We can't lead them into a life that we're not living. We cannot walk alongside, one, alongside someone on a path if you're not on the same path. And there are two practical reasons for this. First of all, to raise up our children and the path that they should go on so that when they're old, they'll not depart from it. We're giving them momentum. You remember the idea of momentum, right? Momentum is that thing that you get when you're trying to push a car that's stalled and it doesn't want to budge and you can barely get it moving and finally it starts to crawl and it starts to pick up speed and if you're not careful, it'll get away from you because it's got momentum. Momentum. And our children are going to face great difficulties and adversities in this life, and we've got to get them up to speed to build their momentum so when they face those hills and those valleys, they're able to get through them. How is it that they will not depart from it when they are old? They have built up momentum on this path. They've built up momentum on this trajectory. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here, okay? Somebody said earlier, we're doing baby education. We're giving bikes to all the kids to get dedicated. Not that kind of church, all right? We're not, not giving away bikes to everybody. I wanted to give you a, a demonstration. This is, this is my son's bike. And what you may no, might notice about my son's bike is that it still has the training wheels on. He's not ready to ride without his training wheels. Now, what's, what's funny about that to me is that this is an X Games bike, Okay? If you're familiar with X Games, X Games is, uh, you know, people jumping over ramps and doing vert. It's got pegs on the front wheels. You know, it's got like go big on it, go huge. It still has the training wheels on it. Right? And so it has this look of being this extreme games bike. But it still has the training wheels. We're not going over any ramps yet. We're still just trying to Ride the bike. Here's the truth. There's a lot of people, right now, I think more than ever, there's a lot of young men that they're leaving the household exactly like this. They have this facade of extreme, but they still got the training wheels on. Don't know how to live independently. So how, how, do you, how do you teach your kids to ride a bike? Well, it, it's good for them to ride without training wheels, but the way that I taught my daughter to ride her bike is the, probably the same way many of you have taught your kids to ride a bike, or that your parents taught you to ride a bike. Once they're ready to the, the, give it a shot without the training wheels, you get them on it, and you push, and you push. And they yell, don't let go, don't let go, don't let go, and you just keep pushing. Because the, the main problem that a child has in learning to ride a bike is building up enough speed enough momentum. Because if if you have been on a bike, you know that the slower you go, the harder it is to keep your balance. And when they're little, they struggle to push the pedals hard enough, strong enough to give them enough speed so that they keep their balance. But if they can achieve enough momentum, they'll be able to keep their balance. And so it was a proud moment for us when right here in this parking lot a couple of years ago, I was pushing Haven and she was yelling, don't let go, don't let go. And you know what I did? I let go. (laughs) And before she even knew it, she was riding on her own and keeping her balance because she had enough momentum and she had enough speed. And what Proverbs is telling us to do is to train up our children in the way that they should go to help them build that momentum and that speed in the life of living with Christ. You know what? You can't teach your kids to ride their bike by just giving them a shove. You got to run alongside of them. Now, any dad who's done this, any mom that's done this, you know that this is not easy. Kids' bikes are small so they can fit on them. And we're not used to running in a crouched position. This is, this is like a really fast crab walk almost. I mean, I'm feeling the burn right now. This is hard. It's difficult to build up that speed and stay down on their level. Man, parenting is hard. It is so hard. And it is so hard to help them build up that speed so that one day they can just go on their own and keep their balance as they ride. And I believe that Scripture in Deuteronomy 6 and Ephesians 6 and here, I think the reason that it constantly makes this emphasis, and we are with them, that we are in Christ and leading our children, that it must be something that we own, we must possess it before we can pass it down. It's because Scripture knows that this is hard. God knew that we'd have to be with them. It's so not only do we need to be in the path with them so we can help them build momentum, We need to be in the path with them, because to parent well, you need as much grace and strength as you can possibly get. All of the fruits of the spirit that are talked about in Galatians chapter five. patience. Do you need patience to parent well? Yes. Do you, do you need love to parent well? Absolutely. Do you need peace? To parent well? Do you need faith to parent well? Yes. And every one of those attributes that come from walking with God help us in this difficult journey of parenting. My grandfather was was an airline man, he worked for Piedmont Airlines. My father, when he was about to finish up high school, he started to work for the airlines. I've been around airplanes my whole life. My grandfather and my father both worked for the airlines for decades. If you've ever flown, you're probably familiar with the instructions that they give you at the beginning in case of a crash or in case of, and this is the phrase they use, a sudden, lose, a sudden loss in altitude. You know what a sudden loss in altitude is? We were up here and now we're going down. And one of the things that they tell you might happen if there is a sudden loss of altitude is that oxygen masks will fall from the ceiling, from the console. And they'll demonstrate how to put those on, and how to cinch them up. Because if the pressure in the cabin is lost, there's not enough oxygen. And so they're pumping oxygen in so that you can breathe and stay awake. And what do they say? They always say, if you're traveling with a child or someone who needs assistance, first put put the oxygen mask on yourself and then assist them. You say, what? You're not supposed to help your kid? You're supposed to make sure that you have oxygen before you help your child? That's heartless. No, here's what they know. That if you're struggling to get the mask on your child and you can't breathe, you're going to pass out and they still don't have a mask on. But if you get your mask on and you can breathe, then you can help them. Some of you, right now, you're parenting and you don't feel like you can hardly breathe. It's, you're just fighting to stay above water. You've got to put the mask on yourself, you've got to have that relationship with God got to start there. You're going to need the grace and the patience and the peace that the Lord provides so that you can parent well. And once you are experiencing His grace, His strength, it will give you the breath that you need, the life that you need, the patience that you need to parent your child well and to make sure that they get their mask on you see, what Scripture assumes about every teaching about parenting in the Bible is that those that are be doing the parenting are people who are walking with God. And I can give you some really good stuff from God's Word about parenting, some stuff that will be helpful to you, but we've got to start here. We've got to start with you having a relationship with God.